Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning. There we are. Hey, I just want to say so great to have you here today. I had the opportunity and the privilege to spend a few days with my parents this week in Ontario. And um, my mom has uh, blood cancer and... um, and my dad um, has just retired, and they were expecting to spend their, these long retirement years together. And with my mom's health the way it is, um, we're just praying that she'll have a long life, but we know that it's in God's hands and the doctor's hands. But it's a real privilege. I, I think in, in being there, you realize the benefits of family and the benefits of marriages that last. Something that I just uh, walked away with of knowing that if you're married, you know it's work, right? Marriage is work. We love our spouses, but there are days that was like, oh my word, this is so much work. Um, but, but at the same token, you, you see, if we're short-sighted, we don't see the blessing of the long-term commitment. When we make a commitment to our spouse, it is for life under God. And uh, we do know there's the pain of divorce, and we know that people have gone through that. But if you, if you can have some foresight to say, but... But the blessing that comes from that, and my parents are so cute. They are, they're uh, getting older now, and um, and to see them still giggling like school kids and still you know kissing each other, like oh, mom and dad, come on, seriously, really in front of me, and um, it's so cute though, and and I I really appreciate. But it, I walked away saying. Lord, that, that's what a reminder of, of the fruit of stick The fruit of stu- stick-to-itiveness. I'm going to make up a word as well, Jason, on that one. Um, so anyways, if you have your Bibles, we are continuing on this uh, series called The Faces of Grace. The Faces of Grace. And if you'll turn with me, first of all, hold up your Bibles. If you brought your Bible, hold them up, hold them up, hold them up, hold them up, or your phone or your device, great. And we're going to turn together to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. The other interesting thing about this week is I've had some people be reaching out to me. As you know, for Lent, uh, we are, as a church body, we have committed to say we're not going to touch alcohol for the month of um, March as a way of continuing to support people who um, might be struggling with it, who alcohol has become maybe a bondage in their life. Um, and those were, has become a bondage. We're seeing them set free. I, I want to let you know, somebody reached out to me this week and says, I'm checking myself into an alcohol detox for a few days. And I really commend that person. Let's give him a hand. Because it's the courage to, one, um, share that with somebody. And number two, actually follow through and do something. Because that's part of God's grace as well. He gives us the grace to to walk out in steps of freedom, and so many of you have been sharing stories with me of how, um, as we're doing this together, is really helpful. So please, and by the way, if you said, you know what, the first week or second week, I kind of I kind of gave in a little bit on that, so I'm done now. No, get back on. Get back on track. You can do it. It doesn't matter how many times you fall off the wagon. It matters how many times you get back on. Right? So get back on, and we'll do this together all the way through Easter. Okay. So today, well, the first week of um, the Faces of Grace, we talked about living grace. 
In other words, how are our lives distinct? And hopefully that we're looking different than the world. We said if we want to... Um, if we want people to see the world, then let's just kind of live like the world. If we want people to see Jesus, then live like Jesus. And then week two, we talked about receiving grace, and we really talked about that our past does not define us, Jesus defines us. And we all celebrate with that, because if you're human, you probably have a past, like me, and things that we're not proud of in our lives. But then Jesus comes along, he finds us in in our muck and mire, and he pulls us out, and we're on this journey with him. But today, I'm going to talk about um, rejecting grace, rejecting grace. And really, what are the, uh, how do we reject, reject grace, and what happens when we do? Because the other word of grace, actually, is um, this word called um, favor, this word called favor. The Bible says that when, when we are proud, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. And so we understand, and we talked a little bit about that last week, but we're going we're gonna to understand this a little, unpack this a little bit further today of how, what does that mean for our life? Because there's some of you who are wondering, why haven't I gotten that promotion? How come I haven't achieved certain things in my life? And I would say that this understanding of pride versus humility and understanding how that flows into the kingdom of God really has a direct connection to how much you have favor in your life. How many people want favor in their life? If... How come I didn't see everybody's hand raised up? Okay, some of you got, I'm worried about you. If you don't want God's favor in your life, I'm worried. All right. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to read a section. This, this section, there's two places that quote um, something that's found in Proverbs. In Proverbs 3.34, you don't have to turn there, but this is where this original concept of God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble comes from. Both Peter, the Apostle Peter, and James quote this scripture, but they quote it in two different ways. Peter, the verse that we're going to read right now, quotes it really talking about how we humble ourselves before the leaders that God's placed into our life. And how that will actually elevate us. The, the more that we can learn to humble ourselves to those who God's placed over our life, it actually works to the place of that it will elevate us. And then James talks about how we humble ourselves. Well, I'm going to leave that till we get to James. But let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. It starts this way. So I exhort the elders among you, and he's talking about myself and elders, leaders in the church, as fellow elder and a witness to the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, Not domineering over those in charge of you, but being examples to the flock. Everybody give me 10 push-ups now! Now, See, not don't do that. I just scared some of you guys. (laughs) Don't get domineering and demanding. No, he's saying, 
encouraging those who are over the flock. Now, some of you, I just woke you up. Thank you for just waking up. Likewise, you who are younger, and I would say younger in the Lord, be subject to the elders. In other words, submit to them. We, in this, um, in this day and age, we don't like that word, submit. We, we feel like it's a, almost a dirty word, like, who are you to tell me to submit? And it really is understanding the posture of receiving and following. And something I learned in my life that I, I realized, I, there was a time that I struggled with a leader in my life. And God just said, and this is one of these aha moments. If you can't follow the earthly leader how, that you see, how in the world would I entrust you to follow me who you don't see? See, God puts people in our life. Kids, you have a mom and dad. How many kids are here who are under the age of 18? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Guys, they gave you a parent, and you need to listen to your parent. And you need to follow what your mom and dad say, unless it's contrary to the Bible. See, I'll give you a reason to try to now find all those contrary things in the Bible that mom and dad say to you, right? Mom and dad, I'm not doing it. It says it right here. Well, I think you'll be hard pressed, but if it gets you into the Bible, go for it. All right, clothe yourself. All of you with humility, by the way, all of you, that also means spiritual leaders, mom and dad, be humble with your kids. Kids, be humble with them. Congregation, be humble with your leaders, spiritual leaders. Clothe yourself in all humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you. Now, here's the really important key of this. Humble yourself so he can exalt you. Lower yourself so he can raise you up, so he can honor you. Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while. Did anybody catch that one? After you suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. The God of all grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And when we learn how to become humble, in due time, God will exalt us. That's why I'm saying You want to find a promotion at your work? Learn how to be the very best employee at your job. Kids, you want mom and dad to take you out for dinner, treat you to nice things? Kids, learn how to humble yourself to mom and dad and 
posture yourself in such a way that is honoring. But I want us to understand, does God really oppose us? Or do we oppose his grace? Think about this. Does our, does our pride make it that God goes, wags his finger, and is like, ah, 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 I'm going I'm to now keep you down. I'm not elevating you. Or does our pride separate us from a God who wants to exalt us, and it's our own doing that keeps us in this place of separation from God? Well, the answer in that is we have to go back to the very beginning. We have to go back into Genesis when we see that Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, by the way, do you remember the story how Eve um, took some fruit from the tree of what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She ate from it, and uh, that was sinful because God said, you can have every fruit, you can eat from anything in the garden except this one. Now, and the problem was, is after she ate uh, of that in this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says that they would then become like God. They would be like God. Now, some of you might think, well, why, first of all, why is that bad? It was is their pride. Well, no, what it was is it was showing that, that people were wanting to work independently from God, knowing I will determine what's right and I will determine what's wrong. The knowledge of good and evil. Self-determination of saying, well, I know what is best. I know how to live my life. And I'll tell you, that is the most prideful thing that we can do in the face of God who says, I want to care for you and I want to elevate you and I want to give you great things. But yet, when we, in our prideful state, will say, but I know best. But here's how I know that God, when, see, he didn't really, his punishment was, punishment, the result of their sin was they got taken out of the Garden of Eden, but God was protecting them in doing so. But here's the other thing. After they sinned, God went after them and said, Hello, Adam. Hello, Eve. Hello, where are you? But this is God, right? He knows where they're at. But the whole point was, is he was trying to connect with them again. And Adam and Eve were hiding and they were ashamed of themselves and they were covering themselves. They realized they were naked. But you have to understand God's nature because we could have a message like this and say, God resists the proud and it's almost like God's ready to put a thumb on you for being proud. Instead, I do believe that our pride separates us from the things that, good things that God wants from us. Let me tell you a quick story. I was probably 11 years old. Um, I lived in Oregon at the time. My dad left a career in business and decided to become a doctor. I guess that was his midlife crisis. And uh, he was going for additional schooling. And moved our family from Ontario to uh, outside of Portland, Oregon, in a small little town called Banks. And uh, I remember it was one day, it was one summer day, I'd gotten my bike out, and I always was fixing my bike like any great little boy, and taking things apart and putting it back together, and 
But this was not just any bike. This was the chopper handlebar bike with the banana seat bike. Now, some of you younger people would not know how cool that is because you don't even know what that one looks like. But for me, oh man, it even had the tassels down the side. Come on, right? And so here I am, you know, working on my bike and I have my seat off, kind of. So you know there's a bar in the back and then there's a pole up here so the bar holds this banana seat here. Well, my dad came out and noticed that I didn't, all I was doing when I put my seat back on is I just put the seat on the pole. I didn't tighten the bolt. And my dad goes, "Um, son, you need to tighten that bolt before you go for a ride. I said, dad, it's going to stay there. I have had kids since that opportunity. Just want to let you know. So you can detail how much of an ouch or where the ouch was. It wasn't there. So anyways, at that moment, I chose to determine what was right and wrong at that moment. And I got on my bike and I went for this ride and I'm We lived on a dirt road, and I was coming down this hill, and it was bouncing, bounce, bounce, bounce. Then I'm standing up while I'm pedaling fast, and we're bouncing, and then I realize it's time to sit down, not realizing that my seat had fallen off. Well, I come to the house, and I'm filled with mud, and and I was like, oh, my my leg hurts. I went to sit down, but I must have scratched my leg on my pole, and and I ripped my pants, so I ripped my pants. My mom goes, take those pants off before you come in. You're not tracking all this mud in here. I take my pants down, and I realize the pole went up my leg. So 18 stitches later, and you know, having to put a tube in my leg to drain it, and it was like I didn't get very elevated in that moment because my pride actually brought me down lower because I determined what was right or wrong. You see, when we start getting to the place of no longer listening to mom or dad, no longer listening to God, no more longer listening to his word, and we make a self-determination what is right or wrong in our own minds based upon what is pleasing to us at the moment, we realize that our pride actually brings us down lower and separates us from the blessing and how God wants to elevate us. Think about your own life. Think about those times that you've made decisions that are in opposition to God's best. And what has been the result of that pride? See, God gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. I would say the opposition is not a thumb down. It is actually just the force field of our own arrogance and pride keeps God at a distance. Our spiritual ears become numb or or muted to God's voice because we said, no, we're going to determine what is best. If you turn with me to your Bibles to James chapter 4. This is only going back a few pages. And James talks about the pride, prideful hearts of people and the, the humble. And this time he's talking about how we give ourselves. So Peter was talking about how we treat 
authority, which by the way, God's our authority. God gives us spiritual authority. So um, I get to be your spiritual authority, whether you like that word authority or not. I was a young rebellious guy. And every time somebody said authority, it's like, I'm going to punch you. I don't like authority. I don't like having anybody over my life. But then you realize God places people over your life to care for them, to nurture them, to help you grow. And so here now we have these, uh, these examples of, in James, how we become prideful or we, how we choose to not be humble when we actually get too embedded into the world. We talked about this a little bit on week one. But let's read this together in James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Kids, you don't fight with your siblings, do you? You desire, do not have, so you murder. You covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions, you adulterous people. You know, oh, do you know, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or opposition with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Oh my. Can you catch that for a moment? God yearns jealously over the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that's meant to dwell inside of us. But he gives more grace. Can you say more grace? Remember, this is the faces of grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, you're in the world, and you're in church. You live for the world and then you live for God. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Basically saying, understand what you're doing. It's not profitable for you. So get repentant. Start to mourn the way you've been living. You've been out parting it up and you're all gleeful with, filled with, you know, whatever you're consuming. And he said, no, don't let your laughter be turned to mourning. In other words, be repentant. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. The faces of grace. God gives grace to the humble. The interesting thing, okay, what is humility? If, if humility is the very thing that elevates us, that he exalts us, that we find that our life prospers with him in this way, what is humility? 
Well, we know it's in opposition to pride, right? So that's the, that's the two sides of it that this scripture is talking about. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humility. I would say this. Humility would be our ability to trust in the Lord. We sang about that this morning. Do you trust in the Lord or do you trust in you? We say that, we say we trust in the Lord, but when you're making a decision, who are you asking for advice? Oh, I think I should, I know this one. I can just do it on my own. Well, he, as we grow and mature, but if you never ask the Lord what he thinks, what makes you think that you're actually walking in the way you should be? What makes you think you're making decisions according to his will? So are you actually eating from the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil when you just start determining yourself how you should live and what's right and what's wrong? Or do you come before the Lord and you ask, God, what do you think? And when he speaks, you respond in obedience and that's called trust. I trust that my father is going to give me good things. He's not going to ask things of me that are only going to bring harm and hurt. Now, he might ask difficult things, That might be a challenge because it says when we suffer a little while, just because we suffer, do you get awfully quiet in here? It's quiet. So when we suffer, just a little while. We don't like that word, suffer. Just a little while. But would you be willing to sacrifice something because the Lord's asked that of you and it's causing you to have a little discomfort for a little while. All that so he can exalt you. We all said we want to be exalted. We want his favor in our life. So are you willing though to follow him? Are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to surrender to him? There's another word, surrender, submission. We don't like those S words because we want to do what we want to do. And then we wonder why our life is not working out the way we think it should. Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And that grace is favor. He elevates, he exalts. Let me um, ask this of you. Put it in this context. So when somebody gets up there uh, for some awards ceremony, whether it is uh, televised awards, whether it's Grammys, or, or whether it's just at your kid's awards banquet, and this person gets the award, do you think, and everybody's applauding that person, we exalt you because you have re- achieved these greatness and you get the award. But do you realize that, how did that person get there? Chances are it was somebody else who was championing them and cheering them on and coaching them and instructing them. And that person had to choose to say, I don't know exactly what I'm doing and I need somebody to speak into my life 
And then as they continue to submit themselves, as they choose to surrender to their instructor, to their coach, that as they continue to submit and surrender, those two words, we don't like them, but as they do, that they get better and better, and to the point that they're put on a platform, they're exalted. And everybody thinks, amazing, but all along... It was the coach that allowed them to achieve that success. See, that's the way the Lord wants to do it with us. He's saying, go ahead. You can try to do it on your own, but you know what? You'll only get so far doing it on your own. But if you want to go all the way, do it God's way. And and doing it God's way means that we surrender and submit our will and our desires underneath his and saying, God, what do you want for my life? How do you want me to live my life? How do I continue to submit and surrender to your word? But I tell you, as we do, Here's the, here's the encouraging thing. This is what I want you to understand. When we submit and surrender to God, it's not so he thumbs us down and keeps us oppressed. Just the opposite. Instead, for a season, we might feel a little uncomfortable because we're in training, because we are being disciplined by the Lord. And in that discipline and in that training, he's getting us ready so we can accomplish more for him, so he can exalt us. And everybody goes, oh, my word, look at amazing things that person has done. And that person is going to say, like they do many times on the stage, oh, praise to Jesus. Because they realized that they couldn't have gotten there without the tutelage of the great I am. Today I want us to understand that when we say God opposes the proud, it just means the force field of his love. See, God is love. God is love. Actually, I wrote something down here I want to share. This is a good point. God is love, right? We know that. That's very much of his nature. He's not hate. He is not disappointment. He was not, I wish you were never born. He is, I love you. See, that's who God is. So when he says he resists the proud, he's basically saying, would you, would you be willing to submit your life to me? Because if you do, we will do this together and we'll make something great of your life and we'll accomplish some great things for him and his kingdom. But we need to understand that he's safe. God is safe. You can submit your life to him because he's love. He's not disappointment. He's not hate. He's not, I wish you were never born. And sometimes we hear those voices and it confuses us. That's not God's voice. He is, I love you. He is, I love you. So today as we close, the faces of grace 
we can reject his grace by choosing to be like Adam and Eve and make a determination. I want to determine what's right. I want to determine what's wrong. And that's so prideful. And God, his very nature resists that pride. The other side of it, though, is God, I don't know everything, and you created me, and how do I submit my life to you? How do I surrender my life to you? I don't want to determine everything. God, I want to spend time in your presence and ask you, what do you want to do in my life? I want to ask you, God, what have you designed my life to? And I would choose to submit my life underneath his, and I would choose to let him instruct me and teach me I would also choose to be in community with other people who are going to be like iron sharpens iron and it's going to be painful for a little bit, but it's all to what? So he can offer more grace and offer more favor to you. So he can exalt you higher. Everybody here says, yeah, I want the promotion. Yeah, I want to be accomplish great things for God. And he can when we choose to submit our lives underneath him. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we want to say sorry if we've (laughs) approached our lives in a way that seems so prideful. Lord, I... I know I've been one who's had this journey of being stripped and continually being stripped of my pride. And today, Lord, like the rest of everybody, I'm hoping to say yes to you. To say, God, we, we surrender our will. I'm mindful, Jesus, what you did to model this for us. As we're coming up to Easter, we're realizing in the Garden of Gethsemane, you prayed this prayer, not my will, but yours, Father, be done. Oh, isn't that the picture? That he suffered a little while, carrying the cross, being whipped, but has he conquered death and now is the King of Kings? Isn't that the picture of what it really means to submit and surrender to you, our Father. Lord, we understand that it might be uncomfortable. We might face some discomfort. We might actually suffer a little while. But in that time, then on the other side of it, Lord Jesus, you will exalt us. Your word tells us you want to give a favor to us. You want to present us to this world to show your goodness, to show your glory. Lord, I'm mindful that there are people here today that maybe are here for the first time. Maybe they've been coming for a while and they haven't given their life to you yet, Lord Jesus. We always want to make opportunity for that. So if there's anybody here today I would say, I, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe you've been disconnected from him for a while and I want to recommit my life to Jesus. Would you just slip up your hand just so I can pray with you this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Anybody else just slip up your hand? Thank you. So Lord Jesus, for those who put up their hand today, they're saying either I want to recommit or I want to follow you. Jesus, really, we're tired of doing it on our own. And uh, actually, before I lead those people into this refreshed relationship with you, I, I do feel this burden. Are there people who are weary of trying to do it on their own to slip up their hands? Slip up your hand. If you're tri- tired of weary of doing it on your own, slip up your hand. All right. Thank you. You can put it down. God, I think that is the other thing of this, that, that part of how you give us grace and how you exalt us is for us learning that we don't need to do it on our own. That we really do need to just trust you and submit our lives to you and surrender to you and ask you to do it for us. So the other ones who raise their hand, Father, about uh, coming to Christ, we know that it's, it's this simple, that you, you died on the cross for us. You took care of our sin. You took care of our shame. And you offer forgiveness to us, but you ask us to repent. Repent is turn the other direction. So what we have been doing that has kept us separated from you, God, we are choosing to no longer do that and we're turning to you, we're running to you, not running to our own flesh, our own desires, our own way. Today's a new day. Rekindle a fresh passion inside of those people who've raised their hands. God, today, today is a new day where we're going to say, Father, we're going to live for you. Jesus, we're going to live for you. Holy Spirit, fill our lives, fill our lives afresh. Give us new strength. Give us new passion to live in this world, but not of this world. To live with your grace that you might exalt us beyond our wildest imaginations. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 